if this were to stand as it is, we'd be seeing Clippers Lakers in the first round. And I was hoping to see that in the Western Conference final. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it uh, But if it's in the Western Conference finals, the Clippers probably wouldn't get there. <laughs> <laughs> but oh, this is those what kind of podcast we're rigged. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for downloading and listening to West Box Score. I'm Alex Gonzalez. I'm joined again by my compadres, D-Bot Donald Paz, Sonny and Mono. What's up, dudes? Yo, what's going on, man? What's up, Alex? Everything is everything. Before we get started today with today's very special episode, I got to ask you to please rate, review us on Apple Podcasts. Give us a little follow on Twitter and Instagram at West Box Score. Sonny is at the Fox Crate. It's a podcast where uh, vinyl meets culture. Uh, there's a lot of discussion there if you want to get a step away from LA Sports Universe here. Uh, and also join our ever-growing Discord group, right, D-Bot? Yeah, man. We got a great Discord group, man. Uh, yeah, we'll definitely put the invite link in the show notes. But uh, yeah, check out our Discord, man. We got we got a, a couple good active people. Shout out to all the active members. Big Money, Matt Paz, Billy Delgado, Naomi Galdames, Parker McDaniels, and Brianna Flores. They're out there holding it down for us on the online world. So, yeah, really good. And also, uh, shout out to Sailor Brews Coffee. Check them out. The Sailor Brew Coffee, that's where motivation meets coffee. It's a roastery focused on single-origin Ethiopian coffees and luxury coffee such as Jamaican Blue Mountain. Uh, they stand for positive motivation, and they're advocates for appreciating and experiencing coffee for how it's meant to be with no additives. This allows you to taste the coffee for what it is without outside or artificial influence. Companies based out of Pasadena, California. Sailors Brew Coffee, helping you sail through the day's storms. Safe sales, everyone. Get that, get that money, Donald. Yeah. That money. <laughs> <laughs> it's not selling out. It's buying in, Sonny. Come on and buy into some Sailor Brew's coffee, man. Dude, that's inspirational stuff right there, yeah, dude. Man. I want some of this coffee now. No plug, no plug, just actual Sailor Brew's coffee. Check it out, man. So, guys, it's time to introduce the biggest get on our podcast since what Sonny came on back on episode four, I think it was. We had to send a stretch limo for him. We also had to pay him an undisclosed amount of cryptocurrency to get him on. He is the former host of Dodger Talk and Lakers Line, currently the host of Take Two, weekdays at two on 89.3 KPCC. A Martinez, what's up, A? Hey, I can use that cryptocurrency in a Ms. Pac-Man game, right? That's how it works. <laughs> That's it's a you put one coin and you could play you you should own the game, you would think, mm. but actually no, you get one play. You know, hearing all the names, all the shout-outs, I, I was is Little Puppet and Big Puppet gonna be part of this too? <laughs> I mean, they didn't get the Discord invite, but oh, they should they're always invited to the carne asada. You know that. That's right. So the audience should know we wanted to even out the playing field since we had two millennials and Alex is a boomer. We wanted to make it two two now. You know, <laughs> if Show Alex is respect. a boomer, what the heck am I? <laughs> <laughs> You're a caveman, dude. I'm in the grave. A sports caveman here. <laughs> so, got to get started with Lakers talk, man, because the Lakers are hitting the home stretch here. It's what their final seven games before the playoffs get started. A, what are your thoughts on the Lakers? Uh, well, it clearly they they need their two big guns. I mean, it's this whole team. Everything about the whole franchise has been set up to thrive when LeBron and AD are on the floor and. And they kind of haven't been, I mean, really the last few weeks, they've been kind of you know, trying to figure it out without them. And clearly they can't figure it out without them. So 
I know they're slipping in the standings, and I know they're they're you know the Laker fans are a little bit worried. I mean, the the ones that are rooted in reality are a little bit worried because there's some <laughs> Laker fans. I used to do Laker line. I there's a bunch of fans that it didn't matter. They could be on a ten game losing. Oh, they're fine. They're the Lakers. They're fine. No. This team clearly is built on two guys being there on the floor for at least 35 to 40 minutes. If they're not, this team's a mess. So we'll see. When the playoffs begin, whatever position they happen to be in, that's is when I'll, I'll either panic or I'll be just fine. So, okay, but operating on assumption as we like to do, Laker fans, I'm, I'm, I'm in that camp that, that is, uh, what, would you ca- what would you say is the word, uh, optimistic? <laughs> <laughs> Um, that, you know, once these, once they get everybody back and healthy, you know, because this, this whole new team, now that we've added Dre, um, with Schroeder and AD, they they haven't seen the court at the same time. So do you feel like the, the, the window has passed in terms of like, for sure, banking on them to make it to the finals? No, see LeBron, LeBron. Okay. So I, I know, I think I know where you're going when you say that they haven't seen the court at the same time and that will there be an adjustment period? Will they need right. time to mesh? It. Le, right. th- that's why you buy LeBron. That's why the Miami Heat bought LeBron. That's why the Cleveland Cavaliers bought LeBron twice. He is the mesher. He is the glue in every way, shape and form. He's so advanced mentally, physically, on a basketball floor that he will know exactly what to do to make sure this team doesn't have any kind of adjustment period. That's that's the beauty of LeBron James, and that's why so many teams have invested in it. To Think about it. He got to Cleveland as a rookie. He was 18 years old, and they became a much better team. They became a playoff team right. really fast. He was to Miami with two big other names, and they go into the finals right away. He shows up to Cleveland again. They win a championship. He comes to the Lakers. They win. It's like, that that's why you invest in someone like LeBron James because he can make the adjustment period for any roster happen in a snap. That's 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 why he's there. Speaking of LeBron, he had some comments this last week about the you know this play in this new play in tournament. What are your thoughts on it? Because it's looking more and more like the Lakers might slip into that seventh seed and have to play that playing game against either the Warriors, Blazers, or I think it's the, uh, I forget the, the, the Spurs. I Grizzlies, think the Spurs, team. Warriors, Blazers, they're all in that mix for that. Uh, That's yeah. right. So do you like the play-in game? Yeah, no. Or or what are yeah. your thoughts on that? Do you think LeBron was out of out of bounds here by criticizing <laughs> it? No, he's like, completely inbounds. He's a player. He's the one that has the mileage on his body. So I completely understand. And and sure, no player wants to have to do anything because think about it. If they're in the playoff game, playing game, that is a massive intensity level game uh, for these guys to to put themselves through. So they don't want to do that. They want to do it when the playoffs actually begin and they're working toward to getting to the to the Western Conference Finals and the NBA Finals. So I understand from his perspective. For the fans, on the other hand, that's another thing entirely. I love any tweaks that any sport makes with their playoff structure, with their scoring, with their rules, because that's the point. I mean, if you can get just very comfortable in the way things are and not think about the way things could be. This is now four extra teams right now or, or a couple of extra teams that are now in the mix. So those right. fans in those cities all of a sudden have something to care about the Grizzlies and Spurs about. Even, even a team like the Pelicans, who's right there at the, at the cusp of this, they all can, can actually be interested in the NBA. And if players don't realize that fan interest is what fuels their franchises, fuels their pocketbooks, fuels their off-the-court uh, off deals— then they need a lesson in that because that's the whole point of this. <laughs> Publicly, fine, complain because I know that that's what they're going to do. But privately, understand right. that it's all in the interest of the game. 
It's all about that bottom line, that money. Divac, yeah. what are your what are your thoughts on it, Divac? Because I know, I know. Again, we've talked at ad nauseum about how how nervous we are about the Lakers slipping into that. Yeah, man. Game. I mean, every time they lose, it just feels like, is this for real? Like, is this going to be the team that's going to be able to go back into the finals? And I know that recently too. Just looking at the standings, um, if this were to stand as it is, we'd be seeing Clippers Lakers in the first round, and I was hoping to see that in the Western Conference final. <laughs> So, I mean, it... it uh, but if it's in the Western Conference Finals, the Clippers probably wouldn't get there. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh, this is those kind of podcasts where we're... <laughs> exactly. Oh, yeah. We uh, we have our allegiances and we're not afraid Oh, did to you not it think it was a biased podcast? Did you think this... <laughs> I just figured all LA, all, you know, it's it's all great, but no, it's yeah. those kinds. Okay. I mean, For me, the, the Clippers are still the San Diego now. Clippers, man. Yeah, I'm a boomer. LA. I go way back. No, no, they're the Buffalo Exactly. Braves. Nice. That's right. It's all LA, Anaheim, and Carson. Oh, uh, here we go. That's later in the <laughs> podcast where we talk about Carson versus LA in the Trafico. So, big picture question here about our Lakers. How long is this current window open for them? Oh, as long as LeBron is willing to put his body through what he puts it through. I, I you know, we, we've heard the little rumors that he wants to stay active until his son uh, gets NBA eligible, which I think oh, is like shoot. A, another year or two from now. It's not that far away. I mean, I know oh, okay. he might be a junior in college, not a junior, a junior in high school um, at Sierra mm-hmm. Madre High School up in Chatsworth. Um, if, if, if there's three more years left in LeBron's body, I think he wants to hold on and do that. That's never been done in the NBA. That's only been done in baseball. Griffey, the Griffies, they're right. the only really, yep. uh, father and son in, in <laughs> active at the same time, uh, uh, dynamic in sports history. So yeah, that's I think, right, I think LeBron right. wants you, to be the what? one. I know that was for you. That was for you <laughs> because I know that, right, flex right, right there. Right, baby. Yeah, I just had to throw him a bone there. But I think that you know, if if that's something that he's holding on for, then that's as long as the Lakers' window is now. As long as Anthony Davis is still around, the window stays open if they can add another player to complement him. But yeah, the, the, what the Lakers did with those two moves is they they kept the window open. It's going to be open as long as those two guys are are up and active. If you had to put a number on it, though. If you had to, if you had to bet your own money, what would you say? I'd say a good. Uh, there, okay, so LeBron and, and AD are still around. Yeah, five years, five a oh, good five oh. year playoff window where they're one of the favorites, one of the top few seeds in their conference. Not three, no, not four, five, five, cinco, cinco. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Hey, I wanted to ask you, would you think of? The discussion, I know this was pretty big on Lakers Twitter, um, Jeannie Buss discussing her five, top five Lakers of all time. I don't know if you saw that, but it, it got a little bit of, of heat, you know, back and forth. I think that's definitely a discussion we always have as Lakers fans is who is the top five she, in the Lakers she nation. She left out Jerry West, which was a big, big uh, mind-blown emoji, like, ooh. <laughs> She could have put like anyone but Phil, and I think Laker fans would not have had a problem with it. I mean, she. I mean, look. Yeah, they had a relationship, they had a thing, um, but she didn't need to include it. I mean, it could have been she could have put Chick Hearn, she could have put Stu Lance on the list, and people would not have made an issue over it. The fact that she put Phil makes it uh, makes it a tough list uh, to defend. Every every other name on the list is fine, but she could have picked any other name, but. You know what? She's done. Okay. Considering where this team was finishing pretty much in last place every year for a, for a while, missing the playoffs for a while. I think she at least gets a little bit of a pass with what's happened the last few years. I'm I'm willing to give her a pass. Not much, but a little bit because eh, she, she, she had a thing with Phil Jackson. What do you want? 
<laughs> for me, full disclosure, I did listen. I did listen to the two hour uh, all the smoke episode with Genie Bus. So when it came to that question, you kind of have to listen to the two-hour interview to finally get what it meant because she was having a hard time putting that fifth person in there. And then they're like, I guess, making it easy for her. And then she said, can I can I save Phil? Or they were like, why don't you put Phil Jackson or something? Because you kind of still mm-hmm. talked about him. Like, I mean, obviously, she still talked about him. Like, they were still in love. But like, um, she was very understanding that they just have a close relationship. But I thought it was funny how when it got put on the Instagram or what is it, social media, it was just kind of like, oh, shoot. But... Again, I was like the same way too, where I was like, wow, you could have put a lot of different people. But then I went back and I listened to the two hour thing and I was like, oh, okay, I see where she's coming from. It's basically a personal thing, you know. Alex Caruso, he could have said his name. <laughs> <laughs> he would have been fine. AC Fresh. Yeah. All right. So since you are, though, uh, you, were, you how long have you been a Laker fan for? I know you covered the Lakers, obviously, as part of your career, but how long have you been a Laker fan? For? Really, since Magic got there. I mean, 1979. I mean, that's 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 when I became aware of the Lakers and and you know he's his personality and his play. I mean that 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 made me a, a Laker fan for life. So one of the oldest debates is who is truly the greatest Laker? Because I've heard a, a, a lot. A, a lot of people in that camp that say Magic. It is. Greatest it Laker is of all time. It is Magic. Whereas, Donald, who do you think is the greatest Laker of all time? Um, Man, it, see, this is the thing. Be like, truthful. It, be truthful. I, I will say Kobe because I grew up a big Kobe fan. Like, that was my guy exactly. Um, growing up. That was I. my first NBA jersey was a Kobe jersey. Like, that's what I wore for, like, the school picture and everything. So, And, and I say that because I agree with Donald. But that is that... Do you chalk that up to a generational thing or do you do you really feel like when you because you got to see both bodies of work yourself? Do you really feel like now at the end of the day, magic was the guy? Well, let me tell you guys something from my many years of experience as a trained (laughs) sports observer. I'm not tied to emotion when it comes to these greatest of all time lists. I'm not because I need body of evidence and Kobe's got an immense body of evidence that puts him at least two or three on the list, depending on on how you decide to uh, affix value to the list. Three. Magic, if you think about where the NBA was, where the league was as a whole in 1978-79, they were having NBA Finals games broadcast at midnight on, on replay. That's how lack of an interest there was by sports fans in the NBA. Magic shows up in the, in, in think about it, just if, if at a time in that sports history where they needed a jolt, they needed a boost, and he and Larry Bird teamed up for the next 10 years to put the NBA on the map like it never had been, even in the days of Jerry West and Elgin Baylor and the Celtics winning all those championships with Bob Cousy and Bill Russell. He transformed the league into something viable, something commercial, something that people wanted to be a part of to watch because of the way he carried himself and the way he ran that team with the style, uh, you know, it was showtime. I mean, that's exactly why I put him on the top of the list, not just because what he did for the Lakers. If you wanted to just judge him on his on his Laker performance and then just the emotional ties of me being like nine years old when I became aware of him, that would be enough. But there's also a whole other layer as to why Magic probably deserves to be on the top of that list. He, he revived the Laker franchise when it needed it the most and revived the NBA when it needed it the most. Okay, I respect that. Alex, you were shocked that he had Kobe at three, so I'm guessing you're wondering what I'm wondering. Who's that second? Yeah, who's number two? <laughs> well, I said two or three, but if I'm okay, going to so- put Kobe at three, if I'm going to put Kobe at three, I put Kareem at two. If Kobe's mm. three, Kareem is two. 
even though Cap didn't play his entire career with the Lakers, like Magic and no, but Kobe did. more people remember him as a Laker. I mean, more people. Yeah, right. And in in the movie Airplane, he wore his Laker jersey when he was right. when he was Roger Murdoch, and he was dragged from the from the co-pilot's chair. I mean, he's and, and it's Skyhook too. The Skyhook he did it at UCLA. He's as yep. LA as it gets. So that's why I now okay. That might be a slightly emotional decision for me. That might there be a slightly, to put Kareem up there and pair him up with Magic one and two. Uh, but if someone insisted on Kobe being second, I I can't argue that one. Okay, fair enough. I really thought you were going to say Eddie Jones is number two or three. Hey, so. you better put some respect <laughs> on Eddie Jones. I'm not. I'm giving all respect to Eddie that Jones. That guy yes, was absolutely. my first favorite Laker growing up. That guy was the first two-way player that I've seen in the league that wasn't Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. That I was like, okay, this guy has the athleticism. He's got. He's a. He's a. What is it? The three and the the wing defender. You know, he can guard the other team's best player. Yeah, I loved Eddie Jones, man. Oh, that, yeah, man. To me, those Lakers years when they kind of sucked they didn't suck because they would make the playoffs they were in transition every year but those were some of the most fun years man Cedric Sabalos yes exactly Eldon Campbell yeah that was so can we agree on a fifth to replace Phil on Genie's list what would be what would be number five it's got to be Jerry West man Uh, yeah I could see that like how does she leave him I get I get the whole you know Phil divorce that happened and how they pushed Jerry out and when they embraced Phil at that point, but history is what it is, man. That guy, I mean, she could have put Elgin Baylor, I guess, but uh, to me, it's Jerry West. George Mikan even could have been on that list, to tell you the truth. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that's true. So in the interest of fairness, we'll cover LA's other basketball team now, the Clippers for UA, because I know you're a big Clippers fan also, or LA (laughs) sports fan in general. So thoughts on the Clippers in their final six games before the playoffs start. What have have been your thoughts on the Clippers this season? The thoughts are the same every single year. It's, it's, you know, (laughs) it's nice that the the Lakers have a, a, you know, a little brother in Los Angeles to kind of pat (laughs) on the head. And to encourage and, and and to play with too. And it's like every every older brother needs a younger sibling to play with and have fun with and, and also, you know, you know, keep at bay because look, the Clipper fans, I know, I've dealt with them a lot over the years. They love to talk that this is the year, this is the year, but something always happens. So it never doesn't happen. Something always happens. It could be an owner who all of a sudden is as racist as, you know, as can be. <laughs> it could be a twisted ankle. Something always happens. I've always advised the Clippers. The way to eliminate the Clipper curse is to not be called the Clippers anymore. Enough already with the Clippers. Enough. Get rid of the name. Start fresh with a brand new identity. Otherwise, they're doomed to repeat the identity of the last 30, 40 years. It'll always be there. It's a bad franchise name. They need to get rid of it and start fresh. Anything but what they have. So we'll, out of curiosity, what would you call them now that they're moving to Inglewood if you, if, as a name that you think would suit them? That would represent LA. It could be anything. I mean, I should pick anything out of the air. Make make it. I don't know. The the comets, the Roadrunners, <laughs> anything but the Clippers. It just doesn't make. I, look, I know that LA is full of sports teams where the names don't make any sense. Dodgers, yeah, Brooklyn Trolley right. Dodgers. The fans had to exactly. uh, uh, dodge the trolleys to get to the ballpark. Uh, Lakers too, from Minnesota, land of yeah. ten thousand or a million lakes, whatever that uh, that that state is called. Yeah. I I understand that, but. Clippers, they came after all of that. They're the ones that probably at this point need to adjust. It, it's a brand new arena. They're going to get their own identity there. Why not start with the jerseys as well? It makes so much sense. And I got a feeling that Steve Ballmer, as a as good of a businessman as he is, 
realizes that, I hope he takes that to heart. All right. Well, I'm going to transition for us here because since you mentioned that brand new arena that they got that coming soon in Inglewood, it's going to be next to, I believe, SoFi, right? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is a brand new arena that was built for the the NFL team that we represent here, the Rams, who, who never changed their name, but I guess they, they originated. They didn't have to. Yeah, I guess they, they, t- their origin story is murky at best. Uh, but uh, as we transition to football, one of the things that stood out to me this last week were some comments made by a franchise quarterback. And that kind of reminded me of the NBA in Aaron Rodgers and this whole feeling of like player empowerment now starting to sneak into the NFL. I've always been on record as saying I love player empowerment and I think more of this stuff needs to happen. But... What are your thoughts on it as far as how it's playing out in the NFL? Do you think Aaron's going to actually see his way out of Green Bay? Do you think he's going to retire and go host Jeopardy next week? Or what's uh, what are your thoughts on player empowerment as a whole in all sports or specifically how how it's going down in football well, now? In, in all, number one, with, with that, I mean, athletes have a short window, a very short window of their lives where they are championship ready. Um, and Aaron Rodgers, for his part, has been championship ready for a long time. But apart from that, he also knows that that window is also, is also closing. The Packers screwed up. He's the quarterback. The quarterback is the most important position in any sport anywhere. It is that vital. If you don't have at least a good starting quarterback in the NFL, you might as well kiss that season goodbye. That's, that's how important that position is. And he's one of the better ones at that position. So how the Packers can draft a quarterback without consulting their quarterback and not address some of the needs that they needed in the moment when they drafted Jordan Love a couple of years ago, it, it's, yeah. it's, they've done this to themselves. Aaron Rodgers has every right, every right to demand to be out of there because they put him in a position where he falls just short. Hmm, I wonder if they'd have used that first round pick on something that could have gotten him over that just short would he be even saying any of the things that he's been saying for the last couple of weeks? No, of course not, because he might be a Super Bowl champion or he might be might have played in a Super Bowl the last couple of years. So no, he's completely justified. Any comparisons that people are trying to make between Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre, completely different situation way back in the day. He's not trying to hold Jordan Love back. Jordan Love hasn't even played a preseason game. He's been sitting, the poor guy gets drafted in the first round and he hasn't even seen the field. That's how just awful situation this is for Aaron Rodgers, for uh, the Green Bay Packers, and for Jordan Love. It's a terrible situation that the Packers screwed up, and it's no one's fault but their own. Can I just say it's like great to see how dysfunctional that family is? Because over here on my side, where you know I'm a Niner fan, it's been like all roses. Even though we drafted Trey Lance, who's supposed to be the, our next guy, and Jimmy Garoppolo has said all the right things, and he's talking about he's going to mentor him, and I'm just like, and how the coach and GM communicated with Jimmy Garoppolo the entire way, and we're forthright, and I'm just like, that's right. You hear that, we'll guys? See. Come we'll play see how for that the. We'll see how that works out. <laughs> hey, I'll hang on to it while I can. But there is something you share in common with Debot, right? Debo, yeah, what is that? Man. There's a hat. There's a there's a funny looking the hat, hat that he's wearing right now. <laughs> it's actually. for the Flash, his favorite superhero, right? Right, Ed? It's a Charger hat. But here's a story. Here's a story. Because <laughs> I okay, when it comes to the NFL, the the I've always said that the NFL has done a number on me on a on a 50 year old LA sports fan because of all the things that the NFL has done to like hardcore LA football fans. Now I realize that there, there's a lot of LA football fans that will always be Rams fans, no matter what, even when they left for St. Louis, they're they still like completely were devoted to them. I have pictures of me as a little kid 
wearing Rams gear. I don't remember wearing any of that Rams gear. The only reason I even know about it is because my mom showed me these pictures of me as, as you know, wearing Rams gear. I do remember in 1979, that, uh, that was the last season that the Rams played in the Coliseum. That was also the year that they played the Steelers in the Super Bowl, uh, in the Rose Bowl. I remember hearing my uncle say that we can't be Rams fans anymore. I was like, well, well why not? Because they're leaving L.A. I was like, what do you mean they're leaving L.A.? They were going to Anaheim. They were going to play in mm. Anaheim. They wanted the you know a, a bigger stadium, a nicer stadium. If you can believe it, Anaheim then you know was a nicer stadium to the Coliseum. Pretty much any any uh, stadium would be nicer than the Coliseum. Yeah. Um, but my my uncles told me, well, you can't you can't you can't root for the Rams anymore. So I was like, what do I do? It's like they said, any team doesn't matter. Any other team you want. <laughs> so at, at at the time, I'm like you know a little kid, and my uncle my uncle um was an was an entrepreneur. Uh, in other words, to say that he was a thief. He liked to go to warehouses and take stuff and bring them home and and go through them. But one of the one of the boxes he he said, "Hey, there's some comic books in there for you to take a look at." And I was like, "Oh, great!" So I, I ran over, I grabbed him. What comic book do you think was there? The Flash. The Flash. It was the Flash. And I'm, nice. I'm obsessed with the Flash. I, I I love everything about the Flash. And I was sitting there like looking at him, like, "Wow, he's so cool with all the lightning bolts." And one day on a Sunday, I'm reading these comic books. I have no interest in what's going on on the TV. And my uncle looks, he goes, hey, those guys on TV, they could be the Flash. I'm holding the Flash comic book, mind you. I'm a little kid. I look up and there is Dan Fouts. There's Kellen Winslow. There's uh, John Jefferson. And they're scoring like 50 points a game oh, wow. with yeah. lightning bolts on their helmet, lightning bolts on their shoulder pads, <laughs> lightning bolts on their pants. And then I'm looking down at the Flash with lightning bolts on his chest. And I'm looking up at the Chargers. And I'm the, the mental connection starts to form. Yeah. Oh and I was like, and I look at him and say, can I be a Chargers fan? And my uncle's like, yep, go ahead. And it helped that that team, that was the Air Coriel team of the seven, yeah. of the late 70s and early 80s, where they were just scoring points after points. I mean, and they, they couldn't be stopped unless, you know, because their defense was terrible, unless you, they happened to give up 52 points, because that's how that team was set up. Um, so that's, that's, that's how I became a Charger fan. But even, even then... You know, with the with the Raiders moving in, I wanted to be a Raider fan because okay, they, you know they're they're occupying the stadium that's near my house, and I gave it a try, but then that didn't feel quite right. And then people, you know, still Rams fans in my neighborhood because they were just down the street in Anaheim, so it wasn't like they were moving that far away. So the NFL has really done a number. Then the the Rams and and Raiders leave at the same time in 1994. Yep. They both 94. take off. Yeah, so yep. it was the NFL has really either just wanted to mess with me. As a, as a as a young football fan, or or just had a messed up business plan, but so I've I've always I, that's how I've kind of latched onto the Chargers as much as I can um, over the years because I figured they were the, they were the team that was still around even though they weren't too close and, and the lightning bolt connection was too much for my little brain to handle. See, Donald, that's how the curse of the Chargers began in 1979. Yeah, that's my origin guys- story. <laughs> that is some origin story. Yeah. I don't know why you blame the, the league for doing a number on you, but just like all of us, all of us Latinos, man, our family always does a number on us <laughs> that, that sets, up, sets us on a path for years to come. And, uh, man, all right, so now we got to move on to baseball here. And I, I know it may be too soon to hit the panic button, but I'm getting close. I'm getting real close. I'm opening up the case at least, and my hand is hovering over it. Donald, <laughs> t- t- tell, get, give us, enlighten us on why I'm ready to hit the panic button. How have the Dodgers been doing lately? I mean, well, they lost their doubleheader. Um, the first game, they lost it 1-7 against the Cubs. The game afterwards, well, they lost 3-4. to four. And since uh, April 19th. In extra innings. Yeah, in extra innings. That's right. 
And since April 19th, which is when we they played the Ma- the Seattle Mariners, I know CNE. Who? I would always remember that series because of Say it again. You know, that, Say that, it again. that Venmo payment. Um, <laughs> since then, they've been on a 4-11. to 11, Cost me a bottle of whiskey, that series. Four wins, 11 losses <laughs> since then. And then yeah. I know another big stat was uh, Clayton Kershaw got pulled after the first inning on yesterday's game. And it's the shortest start of his career. So, yeah, it's, it's looking tough right now. On so, top of the fact that you guys lost your darling, uh, the, the young man, Dustin yeah, May. Dustin May's out now for the whole season uh, for to- out of for uh, to have Tommy John surgery. And a so you did Dodgers uh, post game and you know traveled with the team. You know them pretty well. But uh, what are your thoughts on how this Dodger season is turning out so far early in the season? It's not turning out. It's it's twenty eight games in. There's no. Yeah, I know. <laughs> turning out. It's, it's it's over for us now, right? Yeah, I <laughs> guess so. The, same <laughs> thing. Same thing. When I dealt with Dodger fans on on Dodger talk, the same thing. If if they had a, I they believe had a, I called in to you once or twice. I bet when you were a little squeakly. I bet uh, way back in the day. You know, I know from huh? your parents' basement somewhere. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's it's not even thirty games in. I mean, we're not even at uh, the one third mark. I believe of if my math is at all right uh, of the baseball. <laughs> season. I know. Yeah. Some tough blows. Corey Bellinger has been hurt. Uh, Dustin May got hurt. Um, Yeah. Things aren't going ideally as planned, but look, even with things not being ideal, they're a game and a half out. And and the only other real competition that at least is someone that they need to be worried about. I know the giants are in first. That's, that's fine. And they've had a good little opening season run. The Padres are really the only competition, and even they are not completely bulletproof. I mean, they, they, they've shown that they're not exactly the dominating team that everyone thought they were going to be out of the National League West. I have been a Dodger pessimist for a long, <laughs> long time. They win a World Series, and that pessimism has to go away because otherwise I'm a, I'm a jerk if I continue to be as pessimistic the year <laughs> after they, they win a World Series, after years of trying and after years of actual dominance, regular season dominance. So no, I'm not going to panic quite yet. If, 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 we're, if this conversation is happening July 5th, okay, fine. Then, <laughs> then, then start to be a little bit concerned. But after the trade deadline, if they're still stuck, then, then I will be legitimately worried. But this team has the resources, has the money, has the uh, the ganas to pull off major trades at the trade deadline and give up any prospect they feel they need to to win a championship. They've seen it, they've done it, so I'm not worried. Trade deadline's over, we're, they're still stuck, okay, but not yet. Uh, all right, you're you're giving me some optimism, and I'm trying. To, I'm already riding that joke jerk card uh, right now because I'm still pessimistic on my Dodgers because they've won. This World Series, I, I never thought it would happen, but I also feel I can't abbreviated, help. Abbreviated season. There it World is. Series, for the, yeah. for people like Sonny who don't fully credit <laughs> their World Series championship, that hunk of metal means a lot to me as a lifelong Dodgers fan. So that means the world to me. And I also want to be able to see them win it at Dodger Stadium, though, not at, in the ballpark in Arlington. Um, so that's what I'm really looking forward to seeing the Dodgers win the World Series at Dodger Stadium. If you so. want, if you want a stat, if when you always want to look at a team, you, you look at their win loss record, you look at you know different like how many games behind they are, run run difference. That's it. That's exactly it. That that that'll give mm-hmm. you a more true indication of how this team is doing. And they're still first in the majors in run differential. When they win, they destroy teams. They're losing close games, and I gotta imagine that not having Corey Bellinger is a big reason why they're losing these games and not being 100 healthy. And plus, Dave Roberts doesn't manage for for April, May, and June. He manages for July, August, September. 
That's what he manages for. That's Andrew Friedman doesn't even wake up. I think I think he's sleeping <laughs> at, at uh, the ranch in in Arizona until until July, and the trade deadline comes around. So yeah, I'm not I'm not too. Yeah, isn't this the time of the year where something happens with Kershaw's back and they shut him down <laughs> right. until they use September? they skillfully use the injured list? That's that's the Dodgers exactly. are pioneers at using the injured list skillfully. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, hey. So, like I was saying, you uh, travel with the team, so you got to meet a lot of the big personalities on the Dodgers. So, one of the biggest personalities on the Dodgers uh, was the late great Tommy Lasorda. Can you give us one of your favorite encounters with Tommy? Tommy, Tommy. Tommy was interesting. He was an interesting person to to get to know uh, because he had a temper, but he also balanced that temper with his person with his big bubbly personality that I'm sure most people know about. But there are times where if for whatever reason you got on the wrong side of Tommy for whatever reason that day, there was a lot of thunder that would come down. So for example, um, I, you know, part of part of my job as as pre and post game show of the Dodgers was to come up with with ways to keep the conversation going. I mean, I, I had to I had to be critical at times, even when maybe there wasn't something necessarily to be critical about, but I had to do a show. I had to keep a show moving. Uh, my co-host, Rick Monday, understood that. So sometimes we'd be in the pregame show having arguments. And, and, you know, it's radio. It's sports radio arguments about what happened the night before, what's happening currently, and what's happening uh, in the future. And there are times where I may have sounded like I'm nitpicking or I may have sounded like I'm being hypercritical, but that's my job is to try and point these things out and have Rick Monday, uh, you know, refute it or offer his perspective as a former major league player. And that's how a show is created. Well, one day uh, we'd finish the pregame show and we, you know, Rick and I go up to the dining room up at Dodger stadium. And we're having our, our little, uh, our little dinner and I'm, I'm nibbling on, on some corn and Tommy Lasorda walks into the dining room. And he walks over right to me, stands right over me. And I'm, and I'm looking up and I, and I go, hey, Tommy. And he goes, listen, can you tell me one thing? How many beep, 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 beep World Series have you beep, beep, beep won in your beep, beep, beep lifetime? <laughs> and I'm looking around thinking, okay, what's going on? And he goes, answer me. How many beep, beep? World Series, beep, beep, have you beep, beep, won in your beep, 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 beep lifetime? So think of like Dave Kingman, the, yeah. you know, think of that, you know, <laughs> or Kirk Bivacqua. That, that's another great one if uh, anybody wants to YouTube those two things. Um, so I'm looking, I was like, uh, I figure at this point, I'll just answer his question. Now he's now loud, loud, and you and he's spitting uh -oh. anger. I mean, he's angry now. I'm, now I'm thinking, okay, he's he's serious. Okay, I'll just answer him. I'm like, well, Tommy, none. I, I never played in the majors. He's like, that's beep, beep, right. You haven't played in the majors. That's right. You never forget that. So when you're giving your beep, beep, beep opinion on the radio, beep, 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 about the Dodgers, you remember how many World Series, beep, 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 you have not won and how many times you have never played in the majors. And you see these rings, you see these rings. It was almost like a Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross yeah, when, yeah, when yeah. Alec Baldwin yeah, yeah, yeah. is doing coffees for closers only moment. Rick Monday and he was sitting across from me, he's just looking down. He's like, oh boy, oh boy. I'm not going to be a part of I'm sorry, buddy. I know you're my partner and all, but I'm not saving you here. And it was like, okay, it was not a great moment. And it was a story that I can tell, you know, now. And some people, when I tell this story, get like bothered by it. You know, I mean, you got to kind of know Tommy in baseball to kind of, yeah. you know, let that story kind of slide off you a little bit. Um, yeah. But so, so there's that moment where, you know, I was thoroughly embarrassed, but I, I, that still didn't stop me from doing the show the way I wanted to do it. I mean, I, I was just going to ask, no. what was the very next thing you ridiculed? No, I, I, I never, <laughs> I never changed because 
Tommy wasn't my boss. He wasn't, he could, he right. could yell all he wanted, but I was still going to do my show the way I was going to do my show. Um, right. but so I, I, I balanced that story with, there was a, okay. So, um, in Vero beach, they had a 50 yard line football field. It was like a gridiron, a 50, uh, where, where, um, they did drills on that, on that uh, field. But after the, mm-hmm. after like spring training, um, the day was over, a lot of the staff would use that for flag football. We would, we would play mm-hmm. flag football in this, you know, it was outlined 50 yards. And so there was one time where I caught a pass and I'm running and someone's about to get my flag. So I, I try to get, go a little faster and I snapped my hamstring completely. Oh, I mean, it was damn. bad. I mean, it was black and blue from the top of my calf all the way to my butt. That's how bad this hamstring, it was Jeez. like a legit hamstring tear and I was in trouble. Now, luckily for me, I was living at Dodger town in Vero beach on the base um, that, that particular year, sometimes we'd stay, um, in apartments off the base, but that particular year I was on the base. So at least I didn't have to drive into work. I could just walk to wherever I needed to go, but I was, I was really messed up. So one, the next morning I was kind of limping to, um, where the, the manager would hold his, his morning uh, briefing. I was kind of limping toward there and Vero beach and, and Dodger town was a sprawling, sprawling, gigantic place. It was huge. It was tough to get around if you didn't know where you were going. And as I was walking there, Tommy rolls up because Tommy Lasorda had his own personalized golf cart and he would toot that thing around everywhere. He's like, hey, what the eep is wrong with you? (laughs) And I'm like, well, and I had shorts on because I couldn't, I couldn't, I wouldn't want to pull up pants because it was so painful to even pull up pants. So I tried to just keep shorts on so I can keep icing it and and putting heat on it whenever I needed to. Uh, And I said, well, Tommy, I, I pulled my hamstring. And he looks, he goes, what? You're not a... Bleep, bleep, player, what the hell are you doing pulling hamstrings? <laughs> like, well, I know we were playing flag football and I, and I, you know, I was, I, you know, I probably shouldn't have even been playing, but I was, and I pulled it. He's like, well, come on, get on board. Like, where do you need to go? Nice. So for the rest of the day and for the rest of the time that he was at Dodger town, he gave me rides everywhere. He gave me rides. Was this before or after the first incident? That's the thing. I'm not exactly clear on when that okay. was. Those memories <laughs> are kind of mixed and hazy. why he was even more pissed. <laughs> you son of a bitch. I gave you a ride <laughs> when you were injured, <laughs> and now you're ridiculing But the point is, as- I would have pushed you over if I would have known you were going to say that later. <laughs> as ornery as he could be, he could also be super sweet and super helpful yeah. and just super just, hey, if you love baseball, I love baseball too kind of guy, you know? And and yeah. we were on the cart together. We'd talk about baseball. He'd tell me other stories and 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 he'd take me around. And then he's like, hey, whenever you need me, if you see me, you know, I, I can't guarantee I'm going to be here. But if you see me, <laughs> just grab me and I'll give you a ride wherever you need to go. So those are the two sides of Tommy that uh, sometimes I think uh, get lost uh, in, in, in the retelling of all the lore of Tommy Lasorda. Nice. The man had a lot of passion for the game, dude. You cannot dispute yeah. that. That's that's awesome, dude. That's great to hear. So, so you've been to a Camelback Ranch over here, uh, the Dodgers' new spring training facilities, right? A couple of times, yeah, a couple of times. Not so, how does that compare? Yeah. How does that compare to Vero Beach? Oh, uh, I'm, you know, I know that Camelback is new and it's shiny. It's, I mean, it's still new. I mean, it's, it's, it hasn't been around as long as Vero Beach was around. Vero Beach, I think, was a 60 year uh, um, Dodger spring training site. It okay. This is where I'm going to go into full nostalgia mode. It it can't compare. I mean, my okay. my my very first day in Dodger Town, I think it was 1997 or 98. I want to say, the I, I I go to the dining room. Right, this is the dining room where all the minor leaguers are at. So number one, I'm I'm walking into this cafeteria where these minor. I'm like, oh my god, I'm looking at these that guy, that guy. I'm like, oh my god, so cool, right? 
I walk through the line to get my eggs and bacon, and I, I, I'm, I'm going to sit wherever the furthest away from everyone is because I'm just, I'm terrified to be there. I'm just happy to be there. So I go to this corner, and I'm just sitting there eating my bacon, eating my, eating my, um, <laughs> my eggs. And then I see Jaime Harin walk in. He oh, goes yeah. through the cafeteria. Now, he's a Hall of Famer, yeah. right? Yeah. He's a Hall of Famer. He walks in, and the Hall of Famers can, there's a special, there was a special table for the Hall of Famers. Hall of Famers, managers, uh, visiting managers, depending on the game that day, they could all sit there or uh, their guests, right? So he sits there and he sees me. He goes, Jorge, Jorge, ven acá, ven acá, Jorge. And oh, I'm just man. like, oh my gosh, my, my hands are shaking. I'm, 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 this, with this tray that I'm bringing, I sit there and I was, he's like, ven, come conmigo. I was like, oh, okay. I'm, I'm, I can barely speak, right? Right. I have, I have long hair, really long hair at the time. <laughs> Um, and it's in a, and it's in a ponytail of all things. I'm sitting there like a, just a jackass in a, in a, in a curly ponytail <laughs> looking like I'm in Mana, sitting at the hall of famers table, the Dodger town. Roquero, eh? And he's like, ¿Qué vas a hacer hoy día? ¿Cómo estás? and this and that. So I'm like, I'm trying to, I'm trying to speak and eat at the same time. And then Tommy walks in. So I'm like, okay, it's Tommy goes in and sits oh, wow. down. So I'm like, okay, well, this is okay. This is okay. I'm two, two Hall of Famers, two Hall of Famers and me, two Hall of Famers and me. Okay, okay. My heart's beating, right? So I'm still eating, right? Sandy Koufax walks in. Oh, what the man. F? Sits, Come on. Sits down at the table. Not, not freaking kidding. Sandy Koufax walks in, sits down at the table. I'm like, oh, okay. See, this is like my dream come true. I can die right now. If someone wanted to slice my throat, go ahead. I'm, I'm good with life. Sparky Anderson walks in. Oh wow. my God! Uh, now I'm at a Jesus. table with Jaime Harring, Tommy Lasorda, Sparky Anderson, Sandy Koufax, and then Vin Scully. After wow. shut up, oh, All right. having breakfast, my first day at Dodger Town with this Damn, right, it's a dagger. Like, oh my gosh, right? <laughs> and I'm and I'm eating bacon. So imagine me, like how you grab bacon. You grab it between your index finger and your thumb, and you're kind of like kind of grab. I, I'm I'm just distracted by the Hall of Fame wattage that's around me. Yeah. That I actually bite my <laughs> finger on the bacon really hard where blood comes out. Oh my God, dude. And Jesus. Tommy, in his ever so subtle way, says, Hey, he's eating his hand. He's eating his <laughs> hand. <laughs> so the trainer came out and bandaged me up. And I was that was that was my first day at Dodger Town. He bandaged me up. And as I'm walking out now, because I was in the trainer's room, my first morning at Dodger Town, they're having the ceremony to rename uh, one of the streets of Dodger Town to Avenida Jaime Ring, because the wow. only people that got um, got names on the street signs at Dodger Town were Hall of Famers. So mm -hmm. I'm standing there with my bloody hand in my pocket, taking a picture with Jaime Ring at the intersection of Avenida Jaime Ring and Vin Scully wow. Way. Wow. That was my first morning at Dodger Town. And if I, I've got the picture, I mean, I could show it to you guys of, of me with my hand in my pocket because I didn't want anyone to see it bandaged and bloodied, <laughs> nervously shaking Jaime's other hand with my other hand at, the, at, the, at this intersection. And That's he said insane. the funny thing is he told me is like, because by that time, all the streets that were paved were taken. So his street was, was the kind of a dirt street. He goes, mm -hmm. he goes, why would they, why would they have me have the dirt road? <laughs> <laughs> so we had a we shared a laugh because from my because I'm from Ecuador. I'm like we had, we had a laugh about that. That's awesome. That's hilarious. I, I have one last question about the Dodgers. Since you you covered both the Lakers and the Dodgers professionally, 
if you had to, you know, kind of take the, the, the pulse or check the pulse of the city of L.A., <clears throat> would you say w- which of the two franchises, Dodgers or Lakers, is the premier franchise for the city of L.A.? Or, or maybe that's not the right question. Maybe the question is, what kind of town is it? Is it Here more of a Laker go. town Here or a Dodger town? Go. I'm just curious to get, we have differences yes, in opinion. Yes, of course. You know, um, I, I think your opinion is valid, Alex. Uh, but I also feel like I still feel like the uh, the Lakers represent, you know, what winning is. Let's not is. lead A. Let's go ahead. Well, and get, I, yeah, I'm just making yeah. my opinion clear, but I'd love to. I'm sure A already has thought about this or has his own opinion. I'm sure I'm not swaying him no, one way or the other. It's a question that I've asked of people that are sports fans from other cities. So the, the, the way I always ask the question is this: if if your city had to dump all of their teams except one. Yeah, exactly. Which team do you think your city would keep? Would stay with. Like, yeah. you know, That's a great in New York, yeah. would it be the Yankees or would it be the Knicks? Uh, Chicago, would it be the Cubs or the Blackhawks? Boston, the Celtics or the Red Sox? Can you imagine them making that? Or even the Bruins Or the Patriots now. Patriots now have the most right, titles. Right, yeah. and so And so, and that's a hard one because I think that's also generational um, because mm-hmm. different teams mean different things to different parts of the city's population. I mean, think about it. If we asked this question in 1978, when the Dodgers had just been in the World Series in back-to-back years, they lost the Yankees both years. But when you think about what the Dodgers did to this city, it it connected this city to the rest of the country when they moved here in the late 50s. Uh, LA was seen as this outpost, this weird wacky outpost where people went for to retire for warm weather and and to to watch hollywood movies because only those weirdos in in la were making movies at the time <laughs> so right. it 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 brought this cultural cachet to the city and this relevance to los angeles that it never had i mean it was the dodgers moving across the country to to bridge this gap for the rest of the country think about it kansas city st louis that was as far west as major league baseball at the time in the 50s had gone and in the 50s, Major League Baseball was the tone setter culturally for, for sports in this country. It wasn't like it is today where the NFL sets the tone in, in most ways culturally. Uh, so if you just look at it that way, then, yeah, I mean, I guess you could say that the Dodgers overall in the history of L.A. probably take that top spot. But then the Lakers since Magic and since the 80s have really embodied what this city's about, which is, which is a flashy entertainment putting on a performance kind of city. That's, that's people have, have, have migrated here, not just from around the country, but from around the world because of what this city does to reinvent people into being who they want to be. And the Lakers are the masters of this reinvention. I mean, they, they invented themselves into something, something that they weren't when they were in, in Minneapolis, when they moved here in the early sixties and morphed into magic, making them, Really, the 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 embodiment of what LA is, which is an entertainment town, which is a Showtime kind of town. So, I mean, by a smidge, by a smidge, I'd put the Lakers as the one team that this city probably wouldn't want to get rid of. But I think, I think, I think the Dodgers would come in as close of a second as you could possibly come into. Sorry, sorry, my headphones were breaking up real quick. Can you can you repeat that <laughs> one more time? You're right. Yeah, you're break. right. You were right on on this one because. Because I, I, first of all, I thought the Giants came the same year out west that the Dodgers did. They did. Or was that just? Yeah. Nin- I mean, I know the Dodgers came to LA and the Giants went to the Bay. But yeah, um, for the Lakers, I think still, still, like you said, LA attracts what we would like to think. Usually the be- the biggest and bright, the best and brightest, you know, from everywhere. They want to come here because they just, they have that big dream. 
The Lakers represent that every time free agency com- comes up. The Lakers are always, who can we pick from another smaller town? You know, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. who's their best player? Maybe he'll be out in a Laker jersey in four years. Even <laughs> Alex is guilty of like, you know, can we go get that guy? I've never, yeah, I've no, never heard right, of him yeah, before. Right. But, uh, <laughs> but it's, it's still hard for me to, to put, I mean, I, I know I put the Lakers first, but it's still hard for me to do that too because if, if you want to think about inclusivity, think about the Dodgers history. I mean, Jackie Robinson was a Brooklyn Dodger, never was an LA Dodger, but, you know, went to UCLA and, and, and right. you know, played baseball in high school down the street at Pasadena City College and also uh, in Pasadena, grew up uh, here. And then you go into Fernando Mania in the, in the eighties, right. Chan Ho Park right. with the Korean community. Um, uh, Hideo, Hideo Nomo. Nomo for the, I mean, yeah. the Dodgers yeah, either by design or by accident have really done a good job of, of kind of being the model for diversity of a city. That's why when I always, you know, when I traveled around, I'd went to every single stadium uh, for 10 years and there's never been a stadium in all of major league baseball that had the amount of diversity in the seats in the stands than Dodger Stadium, not New York, not Chicago, not Miami, nowhere. There were more different faces and different voices and different dialects in Dodger Stadium than anywhere else. The United Nations of sports is at Dodger Stadium, and that is partially because of what the Dodgers have done a really good job of over the years to, to, to bring in different people from different parts of the world to put on their uniform and represent them. So that's why it's, it's I, as much as I'm trying to make that argument to bring the Dodgers to the top, it's still the Lakers because at the end of the day, LA is an entertainment town. It's Hollywood for a reason. And the Lakers have done a better job, a little bit better at being the emblem and the symbol of that, uh, of that entertainment mindset. Uh, very true. Lakers, LA, Lakers town debate over. It's a, we, it's already been <laughs> acknowledged, but I love the way you mentioned diversity in the crowd at Dodger Stadium. Lately, there hasn't been much diversity on the field for the Dodgers. And it's, we, uh, Sonny has said, they're the swaggerless Dodgers. And if you look at it, it's because a lot of their players are not Latinos. I mean, that's kind of could be one reason why there's a lack of swagger. And they also made a big free agent acquisition for a pitcher called, that I like to call it Diablo Blanco, because <laughs> he is... Uh, I mean, he's polarizing for me, at least as a hardcore Dodger fan. And it's hard for me to fully support him when I see his hijinks on Twitter. I I appreciate the access he gives us on his YouTube blog and even on Twitter when he's very open about uh, or just engaging in, in debate with other players, even though it's quite, quite cringy. It's just it feels forced. A, I got to get your opinion on Trevor Bauer. Well, yeah, Trevor Bauer has, uh, and even before he came to the Dodgers, he's uh, he's been someone that uh, people love to hate or or people that love him love him because of the way he is. He, he likes to engage people. He makes it very clear that if you're going to tweet at him that he's not going to let it go. He, he, comes, he, he comes back at you, and in a lot of ways, he goes overboard. I mean, there's been plenty of fans, uh, both both men and women, that – He's really pursued and really gone after for their opinions. I I always wonder why an athlete, especially someone like Trevor Bauer, would do that. What's the benefit? Is what's I mean, there has to be some level of insecurity there that makes him feel like he needs to engage. I mean, I'm a nobody. I'm a nobody. But over the years, through ESPN and through working at uh, at KPCC, I've gotten my share of of Twitter hate. It just happens. It just happens mm-hmm. all the time for for a lot of different reasons. But have I engaged? No, it's easy to let it go. But Trevor Bauer can't let it go. He <laughs> has to come at people. I, and I don't know if it makes him feel better or it's him trying to engage with fans in a way that no other athlete has really done. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he can be he can be tough to love because of his opinions. I, I the one thing I will say though is that you, you got to know what you're getting into. If you're going to tweet at him, understand that that tweet may not go unanswered. You yeah. might get a DM, <laughs> and it might be an aggressive oh, wow. DM right back at you. As long as you know that and are good with it. I, I I don't know why someone would be that bent out of shape that that someone that an that an athlete comes back at them when you've decided to come at them, especially in this day and age. So that's what that's what athletes use this for is to put their own message out there, uh, so that it isn't twisted, it isn't taken out of context. It's direct. That's that's part of the advantages of this day and age, but it's also part of the the disadvantages in that if you're sensitive, <laughs> then don't tweet at Trevor Bauer. Don't tweet at professional athletes because they might come back at you. But here's the thing. You know, if it's Game 7 of the World Series, this is the first season that Trevor Bauer has, has been on the team. Game 7 of the World Series against the Yankees and Trevor Bauer's on the mound. I mean, are you going to root for him or not? Mm-hmm. Yep. You are. I mean, I, I've said this. I've said this too, like, to Sonny. Like, I don't know. I've said this on the pod. I don't know if I can root for him at a start, right? But if he's like six innings in to a no hitter, then right. I'm, I'm, I'm in, I'm invested now and I am rooting for him. You know, I mean, every start he's had up until his most recent one, he's had quality starts. And I think it was up in, was it Colorado or no? Yeah, it was, I think it might've been the Colorado start where he had a no hitter going up until about the seventh. And it's just like, well, that'll be something that, but like, once it got, once he lost him, like, ah, I knew he was crap. So <laughs> so it's kind of like this weird rooting against when I should not be rooting against anybody well, on, it's easy on to my do Dodgers right team. It's May. It's easy to do that now. You can, you can hold exactly. on to your anger uh, if you're mad at Trevor Bauer for his opinions. But in the playoffs, in that's when you got to fast try and fast forward. In the playoffs, in a deciding game, and Trevor Bauer is the only pitcher available. Are you going to be rooting for him? As or as Tommy says, are you going to be rooting for the name on the front of the jersey, or are you going to be rooting against the name on the back of the jersey? I uh, could tell you, as a non-Dodger fan, I root against that guy every outing. Your opinion is meaningless then at this point. I mean, it typically is meaningless and holds no value, but especially on this point, including last night when he was pitching against the Cubs and back and forth in a meaningless game in uh, in what month are we in? May. <laughs> in May. But because more importantly, he was facing Chris Bryant with the bases loaded, and I have Chris Bryant on my fantasy team. Oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> so I was rooting for a grand slam. I was like, get him, get power, chase that dude. <laughs> so speaking of fantasy, though, <laughs> I believe, um, you know, um, amongst our circles, you there are what we would we call go. a fantasy addict, right? <laughs> yeah, and apparently a fantasy champion, too, because in our circle, okay. I'm the only one that uh, apparently <laughs> knows hockey go. with any degree of, uh, of, uh, <laughs> of ability so to win first a championship. Off, this was our first venture into fantasy hockey, any of us here. Right. And of course, yeah, A supposed, being the, allegedly. allegedly. I, feel bam, I feel like I was bamboozled into this once I saw A. You got hustled, right? <laughs> yeah. um, so, of course, A being the fantasy addict as he is, he set up this league for us. He was the commissioner of said uh, fantasy hockey league, and he makes it to the final against our very own Rick Esparza from the Lucha Royale pods that we do. And what happens, but on the very last day, a Martinez pulls a rabbit out of the hat and gets the win. Oh now God, I man. talked to Rick about this. Like, how did you let this happen? How'd you let him off the hook? Yeah. And he said that he had mentioned to you in weeks prior, A, that nobody's <laughs> watching goaltenders. Yeah. Goaltenders, what points out there to be made by goaltenders. It's an important process there to, to get a win. And that what did you do on that last day, A? I picked up a goaltender. 
Yeah. Picked up a goaltender. Yeah. There was only one game I think going on. It was uh, Tampa Bay versus oh, I forget who who they were playing. Uh, but I picked up one of the goaltenders. And the only reason for it is because okay, I mean we can get really deep in the weeds on this, but <laughs> right. in in a nutshell, I saw that I needed a win to tie the win category for goaltenders. I'd already qualified with enough stats. I needed in in our league you need uh, three goal goalie games to have the goalie stats count toward the final week's result. So I already had that, but I needed a win to tie the category. So I figured if I tie that category, that could bring my score up to a point where I could I could at least maybe go for a win on the last day or possibly if I had a tie, I wasn't quite sure of the regular season matchup yet between me and Rick, but at the very least I had a chance that way because I didn't think I could win any other way. So I picked up a goalie and it turns out that the win didn't happen, but the averages, the 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 goals against, goals against. yeah, and mm-hmm. the save percentage, that turned out to be uh, what got me two categories that I didn't think I was going to get and I managed to, to win the league. But that's more being a, being fantasy savvy more than uh, more than actually knowing <laughs> yeah. hockey, I saw what savvy. I needed That's... to address. I addressed it, got lucky, and it and it worked out. The snakes in the grass the stats category, you know, <laughs> you were one zero. And you know what? Hey, was Rick like, could have <laughs> Rick could have picked up the same goalie and played a game of keep away. He had enough moves. Uh, he had, I think, six moves on the table. That's the other thing too. You gotta you gotta use your moves, especially in the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, what's the point? Yeah of keeping moves on the table if there are moves to be made, not only just for your team to 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 bring up points, but also to keep those points away from the team that you're playing against. So that, yeah. that's 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 on Rick for not making the move that if he'd have made that move, if he'd have just picked up the goalie to keep him away from me, he would have won. A strategy I never implored throughout the season, which is why I was Yeah, because you're for the love of the hockey, right? You're more the love of <laughs> exactly. hockey, right? You're Instead of winning, you love more the- like... The purity of oh, the game yeah, is yeah. what I was playing the whole year. And uh, <laughs> Puro idiota. What a, that's what you <laughs> <laughs> The one seed throughout this entire season, it felt, was D-Bot here. And I yeah. had, going into the playoffs, I was rooting, I was team D-Bot all the way. What happened, D-Bot? I don't know, man. I thought I, I had the strongest team. And apparently, you don't <laughs> uh, when, when you go through the playoffs. Um, yeah, it was Who crazy. did you lose to, by the way, in the first round? Yeah, you did. You did. It was you and me in the first round, and then you advanced. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Here we go. And Dang. yeah. Dang. Wait, wait. His headphones cut out. Can you remind me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, man. I mean, you know, this I'd, about- I'd like to change my name for us. I want to be Professor. Professor Girafales <laughs> <laughs> Martinez. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> bringing us back um yeah dude uh so yeah my thing was my strategy was just like i was just getting the highest uh owned players like as long as they were high owned i felt like there's they're gonna come through and uh that's what i had i think every player i had was 75 percent owned and up um and yeah i guess it just i just didn't pay attention come playoffs it's the pr15 i mean all kidding aside that that's that's the best way especially on espn's fantasy app to really get a good sense over who's playing really well in the moment. So that way, if you plan ahead a little bit, if you look at the PR 15, which is player rating past 15 days, um, that gives you a good sense. If if you want to put no other effort than to just get the hottest players and have the moves to acquire up, that's the best way to, to do it. Hey, that's that strategy though. Didn't work quite work out for you in our basketball fantasy league. Oh, uh, I, I saw you drop Giannis like, Tuesday of your matchup or Wednesday. And I was like, this dude actually dropped Giannis. I dropped Giannis and Kristaps Porzingis too. Yeah. I had to, I had to, because they oh were injured. God. They were, they were injured. I didn't have the injury spots. And actually what's worse about it too, is that sometimes in fantasy leagues, they, they just put them day to day or out for that particular I game. 
they yeah. don't have the injured designation, I can't move them to the injured slot. So I got to sit there and, and, and drop one of the best players in the NBA because I simply don't have the time to keep him on my roster as an empty empty spot. I need someone to generate some kind of points and rebounds and, and all the other stats because it's better than having Giannis and having nothing. So I had to right. drop some really good players to try and stay alive and it didn't work out. And similar to Donald, you were crushing it during the regular oh, season. Yeah, man. This, yeah. this guy place. finished in first place yeah. in our in our fantasy basketball league, but just couldn't close the deal, man. It, it was weird because I think the final matchup was between the number five and six seed. Yeah, this is one of those, oh, you know, like man. the year the Patriots went, uh, what, 17 and one, 19 and one? Oh, yeah. We're clearly yeah, exactly. the best team, didn't win the championship. That's, you know, me and Tom Brady, we look alike. <laughs> You know, we have all the same kind of success. That, that's that's oh, that's what happened in that fantasy basketball. You're on that TB12 program. Is that? Is that... <laughs> There's some good things in it. Yeah. <laughs> so we are going to do a West Box score fantasy football league. Is what you're saying, right? That is going to happen. If you guys are down, I'm down to do it. I'm absolutely oh, down yeah. to do it. Yeah. Yeah. That's fun. Man, football's fun because that way people don't need to pay total attention. That's the one fantasy sport where if you just want to have a casual interest in it yeah. you can do it just set your lineup once a week and don't have to worry yeah. about it it's also the most frustrating to me <laughs> because luck beats anything else in that in that fantasy but it's but annoying as, as branch ricky branch ricky who the, the, the person who signed jackie robinson who who invented the minor leagues when he was the gm of the st louis cardinals as he says about luck luck is the residue of design if you design your team well luck the residue will fall in your in your hands that's what happens you oh. need to plan well and if you plan well as you clearly saw in the hockey league the luck will fall your way <laughs> or you can just fall ass backwards into a win like you did and get a championship out of it <laughs> uh, all right from fantasy football to world football here i don't know if you're aware oh, of this, this is A's wheelhouse right here what are you talking about this is <laughs> this is uh this is rivalry week here at Trafico is happening this week. LAFC versus LA Galaxy. And just as you said, uh, is this LA a Lakers town or a Dodgers town? Is LA a Galaxy town <laughs> or an LAFC is town? Is that even a real question? It what, doesn't, it, how many what, times what, I have to tell you? Mean? If what? one city, <laughs> if one of the teams doesn't even play in the city of LA, how can it be a real question? <laughs> so going into uh, Trafico, Galaxy went to Seattle. How did that work out for Galaxy... It's Donald, what, what what was the result there? Um, so the result was zero to three in favor of Seattle Sounders. Um, yeah, those the Chicha play. What what happened? Hey man, Seattle, <laughs> they're just a well oiled machine. And I think for the most part, with the Galaxy on, on the Galaxy side, my thoughts are just this was a slap of reality. Um, they had two yeah. good wins on the first two match days, and on this one, it just clearly showed that like, um. It, to me personally, just looked at best. It was kind of like a first round exit type of game. Um, but the biggest stat that stood out to me was the shots on target. So the Galaxy had 10 shots with two shots on target. Seattle had 17 shots with nine of those on target. And I don't know, I think three center backs were, were too much for Chicharito to overcome. Um, everything else was pretty similar toe to toe between <laughs> passing and possession. So it was insane, but yeah. The Herbalife uh, 24 didn't kick in, I guess, before the game. <laughs> LAFC, how are they going into a Tráfico, Sonny? Well, they just came off a 1-1 draw with Houston at uh, in Houston. Uh, it was kind of a disappointing result because I think the expectation, especially since we got Diego Rossi back finally, was that LAFC would take care of business, even though it is a, a road game. So, you, you know, you have to account for that. But 
I'll take the point. You know, they have the point. Go, they, they they technically haven't dropped the game yet this season. So um, I guess they're going in okay. Mm-hmm. Carlos Vela to be determined for for the trafico, as you guys like to call it. Um, <laughs> as that it's we will, That we will be attending. Yes, sir. You know, we'll be there live uh, but, but, at Dignity Health Sports Park. That's right. But before we even dive further into that, I got to ask, A, Here do we go. you follow at all? Do you follow... MLS or or World Cup soccer or what what's your what are your thoughts on the beautiful sport? I thought we were talking LA soccer, so I was all up on my lasers and my Aztecs, the you know the the, nice. the teams from my youth. I thought that's yep. what we were talking about. <laughs> so then you is it safe to say you don't have you ever been to any of the MLS games? I did. I so 1996, one of the first things I did on the air for uh, Mason in Ireland, um, yeah. uh, the, the long-time radio show in L.A., sports radio show in L.A., is yeah, I did uh, Galaxy Reports. I, I, the MLS was a brand new thing. They, of course, had no idea what it was, and I put in for a credential. So I went to the first season at the Rose Bowl for the Galaxy. This is Kobe Jones' you know, territory we're talking about here. This is nice. how long ago it was. Yep. Um, yep. And so I would do these. Andrew Shu, one of the LA that's Galaxy right, greats. That's right. I remember. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, and so I, you know, they asked me to do these Galaxy reports and to really ham it up. So of course I did like soccer announcer style. And then what? I did one. I did one. And, and John goes, "Hey, can you do it in Spanish? This is not live on the air." So I I I queued wow. up the cart because that's I was board hopping at the time. I was board hopping the show, so I had nice. to queue up the cart again, put on the same music, and did it in Spanish on the fly. So that that. That was actually my first real on-air segment. I started to do it regularly. It became a sponsored thing. And 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 I thank John and Steve for letting me do that because they they couldn't have let, I mean, a board op, every board op wants to be on the air. And, and so they let me do it. And I think it's might've started my career, but that's really the last time I got to admit that I really was into soccer because I, you know, after that I started, I got the Dodger job and, and then once yeah. you start getting into the Dodgers and then I was at ESPN doing a general sports show, you know, regrettably soccer is not kind of top of mind for, for, for most, you know, American sports fans. Um, you you kind of have to make space for it. And at the, I, I couldn't, I couldn't make any space for it. It was baseball, uh, the NBA, the NFL, um, and, and any other sports topic for that evening, you know, doing my ESPN show at night. So yeah, regrettably, I don't know as much as I wish I did about the Galaxy and uh, and LAFC today. Well, although, I, I, although I, I do want to go say, into the stadium, to the brand new stadium. I want to go down there uh, at some point. Yeah. I've been to every stadium. Oh, that's it. Yeah. It looks you, you beautiful from the them. outside. You just bumped them. <laughs> every time we talk to somebody who hasn't been to the stadium, Alex and Donald get bumped <laughs> by who I'm gonna take <laughs> who I'm gonna take to the next LAFC game because I am a season ticket holder to LAFC. That's the team near and dear to my heart. Let me just say you haven't missed much in the MLS since up until about 2018, which is when LAFC was born. Um or 20, you know, well, 2006, so, you know, when I'll they get were you caught up. You, yeah, there we go. I'll get you caught up on that. But uh there's a healthy little rivalry that's brewing now um in the city or whereabouts. <laughs> and, <laughs> and or LA adjacent. But can I just say something? That's unfair to say that they don't because they don't play in the city. How can they be the city's team? I mean, how many other teams in all sports mm. don't play exactly within the city limits and boundaries? Yet they are an integral part of the city's history and and sports culture. So that's that's you know Boom. no you can't get away with like that. the Niners. Sorry. If I, we're talking about it. LA, if we're talking about last I checked, the Dodgers <sighs> played in LA. Okay. The the Kings play in LA. Okay. The Lakers play in yeah. LA. Hell, the yeah, Clippers. But where did even the Lakers make their fortune at? Inglewood, not in LA. Okay. 
The king is okay. not in LA. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. I respect it. So if the galaxy ever want to come back to LA, then maybe we can acknowledge them again as an LA team. I mean, Put technically they played in the Rose. They played in Pasadena. If we want to they get did. like they did you play know, in the Pasadena. pick nits here. I mean, they played in Pasadena. <laughs> they didn't right. play in LA. Full disclosure, again, as these boys know, I I came up as a galaxy, uh, I don't know, fan is the word, but somebody that tuned in. You know, and so I'm I'm very rich in the history and the folklore of what the Galaxy and the MLS was in the early days. It's just the LFC won me over with with their commitment and their branding and their marketing. Yeah, and absolutely, the, the shiny they, new stadium. You know what? It's you know, it's really a toy. biblical. It's really a biblical tale. The tale of these two teams, because when you think about it, the Galaxy you could say is like Adam, and LAFC is like Eve. In that, the only reason there is a LAFC is because the galaxy was here for years. So it, it took right. a piece of galaxies of right. uh, history to create a team that teams that fans would be interested in. I mean, think about it. There wouldn't be no soccer interest if there wasn't uh, the first, the galaxy. That's, that's the whole I reason. Agree. LAFC is around. I agree. And that's why I'll never shit on the galaxy because I, I respect what they've meant to the league um, as a whole and the sport as a whole in this country. Even as as things progress, I only I only talk shit about them okay. when their fans over here get out of okay. line and start to give them too much credit. Getting out of line. Do your sponsors <laughs> realize that there's all kinds of blue language happening on this. <laughs> <laughs> does, yeah. What does Sailor Brew have to say about this? <laughs> I told you, get that money, Donald. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so, so, so if you have to pick a side here on Galaxy versus LOLFC, who do you got here? <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna say that's really good. Um, I, the, the the team that's been here longer. I mean, it's. I realize there's a few, there's you, a fanatical fan base in LAFC. But Don't the, let him trick you into answering that question. Wait till I take you to a game, okay? He's trying to get you. But what he's trying to, to well, Sonny's trying to sway you on a shiny new. No, toy. because look how you know, you know why? Because because a guy that I share a lot in common with played for uh, the Galaxy. David Beckham. Okay. David Beckham played for the Galaxy. <laughs> we both we both have washboard abs. We both have great skin. And I saw him once. I, here's if you got time for another quick story. Yeah, so yeah. please at ESPN when I first got to ESPN, this is when ESPN was in Culver City. Um, they decided to do a, a combine for all the hosts, all the hosts, like the NFL draft combine. So we went over to Carson to their sports complex to do bench press and run the 40 and, 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 and do all the things that, you know, do the, the vertical leap. So with Mason, Ireland, uh, me, uh, Dave Joseph, who I'm sure you guys know from, from hockey, yeah. from announcing the Kings LA games. Kings. Um, mm -hmm. Also Dave Damashek. You remember Dave Damashek? Yeah. Works yeah, for the yeah. NFL. So, NFL. so we all went down there and we were doing the bench press and we ran the 40 as, as we were walking through this long tunnel to head back to where we'd left our, our stuff. This is like, so David Beckham had just been announced that he had signed with the galaxy and he's on his way to LA for the physical, but we weren't sure when he was going to get there. We're all walking in a group, all of us schlubby sports radio hosts walking in a group down this long hallway. And at the very end, like a light, just like an angelic light walking toward us was one figure, one figure alone. And we didn't think anything of it. You know, we're walking toward, uh, you know, this, and he's walking toward us. And as we get closer, we're, I'm like hitting the guy next to me like, that's Bex, that's Bex, that's Bex. That's Bex. It was Bex. David Beckham in all his metrosexual glory, yeah. just just, just standing there walking toward us. And he looked up at us and he goes, hey guys, 
And we all go, hey, hey, we all mumble, hey, right? We're all like just like <laughs> tiny, up, yeah, like like we're trying to be like all dudes about it, right? And as we're walking away and we're clearly outside of his earshot, Dave Damashek looks at the group, looks at us, he goes, that was one beautiful bastard. <laughs> yeah. I love how you sound exactly like Dave <laughs> So that that's so that's why if any any Galaxy versus LAFC argument, I gotta just go by default with a Galaxy for, awesome. for now. For now, we'll we'll put a play, pin on that one until I bring you to a game. If you get Cristiano Ronaldo on LAFC, all bets oh, are off, baby. Oh shoot. Uh-oh. Yeah, man. <laughs> nice. So, hey, um, I wanted to ask you because I've been always curious about this. Um, just as a league in general, MLS, obviously, it's expanding. It's getting more cities. There's getting more teams that are coming up. And obviously, the, the World Cup's going to be happening in a couple of years, too, here in, in America. Do you think that um, there's going to be, if, if there's a point where MLS will take over as like the, uh, I always feel like NFL and NBA are number one and two in popularity in America. And I feel MLB's number three, but I feel like MLS has a shot at taking over the MLB as the number three sport, but not right now. But I, what are your thoughts on like how what you're seeing develop from from your standpoint? Well, the best way for them to do it, and and they and you mentioned MLB is number three, is the best way to do it is to figure out a way to get black kids to play soccer. I mean, that that is the number one way. If you think about what Major League Baseball has not been able to do in the last 20 to 30 years, which is which is continue to have black kids, especially in in in, in urban places around the country, to, to take up the game of baseball and love it as as black Americans did in in the 30s, 40s, and 50s, that's that's the way to do it. Uh, I mean, I mean, black culture is tied in to sports in this country. It, it's always been that way since Jackie Robinson put on his Dodger uniform. And, and for the longest time, because of that, and then because of Larry Doby and then, you know, Don Newcomb and, and Roy Campanella, baseball was the preferred sport for black Americans everywhere. But that shifted, that shifted to the NBA, that shifted to the NFL. Why? Because people saw representation in these athletes. If, if MLS can somehow find a way, and I don't know if, if there's a similar program to what major league baseball has tried to do, which is reviving baseball in the cities to try and bring baseball to, to black kids more. If, if, if major league soccer has that kind of program where they can put it out there and get kids to choose playing soccer, as opposed to maybe playing basketball and, and find a better path toward getting to the big league, so to speak, uh, that's their, that's their in, that's the best way for them to, to maybe leapfrog MLB. I don't think it'll ever be on par in America to the NFL and definitely not to the NBA, but maybe a solid three with maybe a, uh, a co-position at three with Major League Baseball. I mean that that that's doable, but they need to have that outreach because baseball has has really dropped the ball on this. And 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 MLS, if they have that in the works, they could actually pick the ball up on that. Man, it's it's so regrettable how MLB dropped the ball on that because my childhood, that's all it was. I mean, as you guys know, Griffey was the goat in my opinion. You know, mm-hmm. Barry Bonds, even with all his allegations aside, even pre-steroids, he was a beast. I remember the Gary Sheffields, the Fred McGriffs, you know, all these cool players, David Justice, all up these into it like a Matt Kemp. Yeah. Yeah. You know, up exactly that. They Like, I was shocked when last season, as you know, uh, Kyle Lewis, Seattle Mariners yeah. and right, Devin we Williams, they, they were the they were the first um, black Americans to to unanimously win in 35 years, win rookie of the year, which mm-hmm. blew my mind when I read that because it was like, what? Like, how, how has baseball allowed this to happen? You know, like that this is the first time that this has happened in 35 years and we're here in 2021. 
You know, so it was glaring to, to see like how baseball, in fact, has dropped the years. And it's no coincidence that the NBA and NFL has kind of picked up that ball since. Um, and I don't know if those two sports will ever give it back. NFL, maybe by virtue of its, of its violence, you know, and the sport, you know, as they're continuing to adjust, maybe gets, you know, rene- uh, relegated to second. Because I see NBA as like the and it's conservative sport, fan base man. too, yeah, and 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 NBA exactly. NBA is more I would say more progressive leaning. Mm-hmm. Um, you you there's stars being born in all these smaller markets now in the NBA that it's like we know all of them, and now we're the point to the point where Europeans are coming in and they're becoming stars. You know, um, so I feel like soccer has to model what the NBA does in that aspect. Bring some of those Europeans, also cultivate like you said in the inner cities programs where these players can pick up the soccer ball instead of the football and the baseball. And I could see it as the number two sport, maybe not in five years. Above the in, NBA, really? No, no, no. Above the NFL. I, I oh, see the NBA the becoming wow. I see the NBA becoming the top sport. Mm-hmm. And then I see soccer being number two in my lifetime. Wow. Really? I don't yeah, I don't I don't but we'll see. But are you thirteen years old? I think I think you're forgetting the biggest caveat for this, and that's sports betting, and that's why the NFL will never go away as number yeah. one. Sure. Oh yeah, Super God. Bowl is huge. A <laughs> fantasy and sports betting. That's that's what drives that's what drives sports, but that's what particularly drives the NFL. You are what we would call a workout nut. I mean, mm-hmm. pandemic not being what it is, I'm sure that it took a hit at some point during the pandemic, but. Where did that drive come from? Was it being around, <clears throat> excuse me, being around athletes where you're like, damn, I, well, I want to do that. Or I want to at least look like that. As a kid, and you think about it, I grew up in the testosterone era of movie making. Schwarzenegger, Stallone, Dolph Lundgren. <laughs> I mean, that's those were those were the men that I grew up idolizing. And why? Because they were just massive, muscular men who exuded power. So that yeah. and and then. From that, I go right into the steroid era where I've got Conseco (laughs) and McGuire and and Sammy Sosa. And actually, the one thing that got me actually lifting weights, you guys can think of this funny, but remember the Nomar Garcia Parra Sports Illustrated cover in 2001? I was always, I always had done calisthenics, like push-ups and pull-ups and stuff like that. But running was my main thing. I I love running Griffith Park. I've been doing that since I was a teenager and and I enjoyed it and I got a lot of exercise out of it and, and and that was all great. But then when I saw Nomar on that cover, as skinny as he was when he was at, uh, what, yeah, what was it? Whittier High? No, John Bosco, I think, or in Whittier. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Could, what he transformed himself into, I was like, dang, if he can do it, definitely I could do it because we shared a lot of the same things. We're both Latino kids out of LA with the same kind of frame. It's like, I can do it too. So then I became committed to, 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 to doing it. It's funny because he played for the Dodgers when I was in my last few years of Dodger talk. And we talked so much in hotel gyms. He was so personable too. He never wanted to be personal when I was got him on the mic. He always wanted to just be like, he, Jeter, and A-Rod always had this thing where they they practiced saying nothing but filling up a reporter's notebook. You know, saying as many words as possible without giving them something to create a story about. And and that's how he would be with me when I'd give him on the mic. But when we were in the hotel gym, he would be chatting up a storm and we were talking about working out and all this stuff. So yeah, that he was my motivation to ultimately lift weights. And to kind of become that total workout freak. I always liked it, but when I took it to the extreme, when I saw Nomar on that cover. So it's Nomar. See, there you go. You know who is a part owner of LAFC? I Here know, I Mr. know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we just got to call Nomar up. And Have Mia, him, you know, too. Hook Mia, you up with Mia's a couple part tickets. owner, too. Exactly, Mia. Yep, yep. One last question since you brought it up just now. 
And I have to ask, because you were around baseball in 1998 is when you first broke in, and that was baseball at its peak, right? In terms of everybody <laughs> tuning in and only later to find out it was actually because some folks were juiced. Was there any talk? What was the talk like for y'all back then behind the scenes where you were like, oh, yeah, that guy's definitely juicing? Or did you know for a fact, like, was it hush-hush like like they say it is? Or what, what was that like? Well, reporters definitely talked about it. I mean, every single reporter talked about it. Every single host talked about it. It was so new, so to speak, back then that no one really wanted to put themselves out there and say, that guy's on steroids. The guy, you know what, the guy that I give the most credit for on this to beating the trailblazer, Washington Post had a columnist, a sports columnist uh, called Thomas Boswell. And in 1988 or 89, he said about Jose Canseco that Jose Canseco is the, I'm going to get the quote wrong, but Jose Canseco is the most conspicuous example of an athlete making themselves great through steroid use. Wow. I mean, he's, he put it out there. I mean, plain yeah. as can be. And Conseco threatened to sue and all that. It's like, come on, Jose. <laughs> I mean, yeah. And it turns out, of course, that he was as juiced as anyone else. But but to put that out there with that much confidence, knowing that time would vindicate him, that's yeah. the first person I would say that really like alerted everyone to what was going on in, in Major League Baseball. And it turned out to be right. And even, even Jose even was joking about it because in the playoffs, I think in the 89, they were in Fenway Park and they were and the, the Fenway Park fans were going, steroids, steroids to Jose. Yeah. And wow. what did he do? He raised up his sleeve and flexed for them. So it's like he knew what was going on. <laughs> he, he, he understood, you know, what they were saying about him. And I think he reveled in it. And then, yeah. And then once it got to the point where, you know, you started looking in McGuire's locker and you see Androstein Dion yep. and and then Sosa, I mean, then then it got unraveled. Yep. But yeah, everyone was talking about it. Players weren't, they didn't want to because, you know, they, they wanted to have as much distance between this as possible. But yeah, no one wanted to really say it out loud because of the perceived um, effects of somebody suing them. Right. Okay. So there was there a hush hush like amongst the Dodger network where it's like don't mention steroids when you you can ridicule all you want but don't ever bring up <laughs> well, the okay, subject. Okay. So let's let's talk steroids. about let's talk about Mike Piazza for a second because Mike Piazza yeah. was a pretty much a nobody um, in high school and he went to the University of Miami was terrible there went to a, a, a community college after that and then he gets drafted by the Dodgers sixty second round a favor Tommy Lasorda a favor to 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 Piazza's dad he drafts him. And then he becomes a megastar. I mean, he becomes year. a guy yeah, who hits 500-foot right? home runs. And, and the rumors were there with Mike Piazza that that he he had to have transformed himself with steroids. Do you think anyone brought it up to Mike Piazza? No. No, no one said a yeah. word to him. No one said a word to any of those athletes face-to-face -face because they didn't want to deal with the wrath in case they were wrong. Right. Um, hmm. But even though everyone knew what was going on. So it was a weird time to talk about it when you couldn't talk about it. It was like, is that that thing that cannot be mentioned but can be whispered? That's that's what steroids right. mm. was in 1998 among among the media. Nice. All right, I just had to ask because nah. when you brought it up, I was like, that's that's what I remember of my childhood growing up. It was like I got caught up in the home run race, and then only to see it all get shattered, and then me thinking, but Griffey never cheated. <laughs> that we know of. I mean, honestly, I mean, that's the thing. You'll you'll will never ever truly know who did anything and who didn't. I mean, you got players yeah. after the fact, like Hank Aaron admitted that he took a greenie once, and and that's great of him to admit it because you know he said he did and he said he felt sick and he didn't want to do it again and and he probably didn't do it again. But you know he so this is Hank Aaron in the fifties and sixties saying that yes he took a pill. You are you telling me that other superstars didn't take something? 
It's right. it's very right. difficult to believe. I I'd heard stories um, from my Dodger days of of there was two cups of coffee, there was two pots of coffee in in major league <laughs> locker rooms. One was the normal coffee, and one was the high octane stuff. Wow. Where where wow. you you were like on fire if you ate, if you drank that other pot of coffee. What do you think that Dang. was? I mean that it there's there's been books uh, about amphetamine use in the in baseball in the fifties and sixties. So there's been Hall of Famers that are in the Hall of Fame right now that everyone thinks are 100% innocent of this that probably did something. I don't really care. I don't, it doesn't, it's never bothered me. Um, it's entertainment. Actors and actresses do all kinds of things to get ready for roles that, that athletes would be fined for or suspended for. So I'm good. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if that second pot of coffee is still in major league locker rooms today. More than right? likely. I mean, it's, 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 if you want to get rid of steroids in sports, in all sports, you want, you know what you want to do? Make every single salary just a hundred thousand bucks. Then let's then let's see how many athletes will will perform experiments on their body for a hundred thousand bucks. <laughs> Somebody just but came when, out in but the But when NBA. the contracts are worth three hundred and fifty million dollars, you don't think a human being would do some dangerous stuff to get yeah. three hundred and fifty million dollars? Of course they are. Of course they I, are. I'm forgetting who, but somebody this week in the NBA called out the NBA for PED, like saying you you'd be surprised how much PED is in the game right now. And wow. I remember reading that headline just being like, well, I didn't even want to click on it because it was <laughs> like, you go down that rabbit hole and you're just like, oh no, here we go again. Uh, but I'm like you, it doesn't bother me. You know, if they all take, I, I, I feel like they all should be able to take it. Yeah. You know, it's their own risk. And they're grown they up too. To. They're done. And, and exactly. I realize that I, I understand the disclaimer is that yes, steroids, HGH, you know, legally cannot be acquired without a prescription. I understand that. But, you know, when 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 Major League Baseball comes down on performance enhancers, when Viagra is a sponsor of, of Major League Baseball, I find that very funny. I find that very funny that Viagra has was long a sponsor of Major League Baseball when they're coming down on performance enhancers in the game. So that's true. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, I mean. I'm all for PEDs in in uh, team sports, but combat sports is the only place where I won't. I, I I gotta say they should be tested for that. That shouldn't be allowed because that you could actually c- kill somebody. Well, oh, you could kill someone like like a juiced up hitter can hit a line drive at 115 miles an hour at a pitcher's head. Pitcher or a pitcher, yeah. a juiced up pitcher can throw a you know 100 mile per hour pitch at a batter's head. Yeah. I mean, how I, much I'm, juice are they taking? I'm starting to think in 1989, maybe Fenway was chanting that for Roger Clemens, not for... Well, you <laughs> do remember when Roger Clemens, uh, when Mike Piazza bat shattered and part of the yep. bat went and to Roger Clemens and he grabbed it and he threw it at Mike Piazza. Yeah, in the World Subway Series. Yeah. Yep. Even though technically Roger that. Clemens has never tested positive. Oh my God. Yeah. Neither has Barry, right? Not, not officially tested positive, not in the Major League Baseball testing program. Barry Bonds has not tested positive. Oh man, yeah. You see, we're gonna have to definitely. Bring it's you only back cheating on, man. if you get caught. I love yeah, it. we're yeah, gonna have to bring you a- back on to talk talk this later as the Dodgers progress and when it's time to hit the panic button in July, as you said. <laughs> yes. Hey, thank you, thank you so so much for making the time to talk to us here on Westbox. We really appreciate it. And yes, please, we will send the limo and more crypto in the trunk for you <laughs> in, un- in unconsequential twenty dollars bills too, though. So just so you know, thank you so much, A, for coming on. Thanks, guys. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Westbox Score. Sunny is on Twitter at the Fox Crate. Be sure to check out our Discord group in the show notes. Be sure to check out our Sailor Brew Coffee affiliate link in the show notes as well that's it for us this week see ya peace later